Hi, everybody. Jeff Watts here, and welcome to episode 107 of the Agile Podcast. We're still in lockdown 2.0, and we're making the best of it. Bear with us for the first, hmm, let's say, eight to ten minutes of this podcast, because you might think this is just Jeff and Paul talking about nothing to do with Agile, but it has a point. Trust me. Uh, after our little non-work chat, we did get on to talking about how the value of knowing each other and knowing each other a little bit better can be quite helpful. And the difference in focus on efficiency against effectiveness before talking about weird things like parallel processing and such like. So it was one of those ever-evolving, winding, don't know where it's going to go next chats that we're kind of getting known for. But enjoy it relax, take your mind off things, get a drink in, and we will hopefully hear you again soon. Colin, how you doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you? I'm, I'm thirsty. End of a busy week, isn't it? Very busy week. It is for one of us. I've been busy, just uh, in a different way. You haven't been busy cutting your hair, that's for sure. It's getting quite long, Jeff. I know, I know. But, uh, I've, yeah, and I haven't, my appointment's not till, oh, I think, the 11th. <laughs> oh, so another two weeks. Going on. But I might, I might trim the sides. I don't know. don't know whether I can be bothered, to be honest. Yeah, if it looks very dark as well. If you, if it's not. This isn't great um, podcast material. But you look. Have you dyed your hair, or is it just? <laughs> no, no. Um, it. I, the lighting is not good in here, but it is dark. It's got product in it in terms oh. of, of wax, which makes <laughs> it look a bit darker. <laughs> I'm only winding you up. How are you, mate? You had a good week. Uh, I've had, I've had an up and down week. In that, there hasn't really been. Somebody asked me how my week was going last Friday. And I said, it's been a bog standard week. Mm. And they took that as a bad thing. I said, no, it's not a bad thing. It's, you know, there'll be times when actually I will be pining for a bog standard week. And in a way, I think this week I have been pining for a bog standard week because I've had a lot of really good things and a lot of really, really bad things and very little in between. So it's been emotional, I think Vinnie Jones would say. You would, yeah. From a film that you've watched, no doubt. Yes, yes. Lock, stock and two smoking barrels. Very good, very good. So I'm going to pour myself a beer from my latest batch of home brew. Oh, exciting, exciting. So, oh, yeah, this is fresh, fresh off the production line at the Watts Micro Brewery. The last couple of podcasts I hadn't been drinking uh, and this has been brewing. And uh, I like I like the smell of it so far. Let's see how we do. There it is. Oh, it's got a fair head on it, and it's quite cloudy. No, it won't be. It's just uh, it's settling. That, that's bubbles. Yeah. So is this your own concoction, or is this something that yeah? Is it is it have you improvised around this? This flavor um no i haven't but i'm trying something new i i've gone for a gluten-free uh gluten-free malt right so 
apparently it's a little bit easier on your stone because the, the hoppy IPAs can be a little bit unsettling after a while. It's a bit gassy. Yeah. yeah so um, this one should be a lot easier on the stomach. Um, but yeah, it's. I do tend to like a, a fruity. It's only a slight fruit, not like you and your your, your purple ciders. No <laughs> offence. <laughs> Mm. That is nice. Oh. Um, mm. A little bit fruity at the at the tip of the tongue. A little bit of bitterness at the back. Not too hoppy. A little bit of citrus. Very nice. I like that. I will. Uh, there's forty pints in there. That, that that'll <laughs> see me. A couple see of weeks. For a few days at least. Mm. What's um? Have you named it yet? No, I haven't. No. Um, did you name the the first one you did? I did. It was. Um, I thought you did come up with a name for it. Yes, I did. No, don't worry, testing your memory now. Yeah. But you haven't named this one. I haven't named this one. Now, open to open to suggestions. Something along the lines of lockdown. Uh, tear, a tear COVID. to your eye. Mm. Yeah, Tier anything, two. anything like that. It's not yeah. Christmassy. It's not spicy or anything like that, but just a regular. Ale. What are you drinking? <laughs> what are you brewing up? Um, yeah, listeners won't have heard it, but yes, I <laughs> I said to Jess just before we started, you won't believe what I'm drinking. He doesn't know yet. Jess doesn't know, but um, I did text you earlier today when we were organising this, saying I'm out of cider. I am out. I am out of cider. Okay. And now I've yes. just gone. I've been running through the fridges in the house to try and find out. So looking outside at all these old bottles with cobwebs on that I haven't drunk yet. And it's all lager. I, do, oh, I can't drink lager. Oh, I can't drink that stuff. Can't drink that muck. So I'm drinking tonight, Jeff, <laughs> on, uh, on uh, what is it? November the, the 27th. A taste of summer. I'm drinking Pims. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a can of Pims out of the fridge. Oh, look, let me just open this up. A can of Pims. A can of Pims and lemonade. Be classy, San Diego. Exactly. Is that? I mean, will our international listeners know about Pims? Is that a British thing or or not? I think it is quintessentially British. It's a very British summer drink. I don't. Mm. I don't know to be honest. I don't know whether. I'm now going to try and des describe the taste of Pims. Because it's it's kind of fruit. It's like a fruit, a fizzy fruit squash for me. I don't even know, you know, how it's made, but it's it tastes of summer. So it's a it's a drink for happy thoughts, Jeff. That's what I'm thinking. Is and it just to really get me in get me in the summer spirit. I've also got a mince pie, so I'm going to eat a mince it's... pie with my drink. <laughs> it's gin based, isn't it? Is it gin? I think. I think that's the base of it. Is and it? It just has a load of different fruits. Oh, it doesn't say gin anywhere on it. Oh, okay. But a Pims is the brand, isn't it? If you're not so, familiar with it, it's kind of pink, and and it's traditionally poured into a jug, one third Pims, two thirds lemonade, and and you just throw all sorts of fruit and veg in there, like cucumbers and strawberries. Yeah, all sorts. Any anything that you've got, you just throw in there, uh, and leave it for a bit, and then and then sip it in very hot weather. So you're taking the best of summer and the best of winter in the, in the mince pies. 
Yeah, I'm not going to read the mince pie now because it will just be terrible uh, podcast material with me, okay. you watching me. Crumbly pastry. Yeah, but um, it's my second mince pie of the, uh, of, of the I'm not going to say the Christmas period well, because it's not really Christmas yet. Of the winter period. Mince pies, then I suppose it is. Yeah, but I do like a mince pie. I do like a mince pie, I must say. So there we are, yeah. Pims and mince pies. That's perhaps what we should call this this episode. Pims and mince pies. Um, okay. That would be the name of my. If I was going to start a band, Pims Pims and mince pies. No, anyway, I'm I'm digressing. Ha, yeah, carry on. Pims is Pims rhyming slang for anything? Because mince pies is rhyming slang for eyes, isn't eyes, it? Eyes, yes. I don't think Pims is. No. Glass of it's Pims. A bit too middle class in it for Cockney rhyming slang. True. True. Yeah. So what's uh, what's been the highlight of your week? The highlight of my week was my 25 kilometer walk. Oh. <laughs> Did you get lost? Uh, <laughs> you know, that's the first you're not the first person to say that to me when I um, told people how far I'd walked. Uh, for those of you still on the uh, imperial uh, scale, that is um, 15 miles. Um, it's just quite for me that's quite a long way it was gonna you know I, I took a day off on on Wednesday because I've been working as you know I've been working a lot this week working hard mm-hmm. um, a lot of online time so I deliberately took Wednesday off as a day off thinking I'm not you know I'm just not gonna look at a screen so we'll go for a long walk and I got one of my friends went out for a socially distant walk with one of my friends and um, he said let's do a long one and he so we had, I think we had quite different opinions about what long was. Mm. It's an ambiguous term. Yes. Um, so I've still got, I've got a couple of blisters to prove it. So I'm not going to get them out and show you now. But um, yeah, a couple of blisters, blisters on my feet. But, you know, I did enjoy it. It was something about just, I didn't look at my phone, didn't take my phone out of my pocket. And that's a, like a four and a half, five hour walk. Um, all around the, the country lanes near me, and um, it was just lovely. It was nice to be outdoors. Yeah, it was nice to be away from anything digital. Phone didn't ring. It was lovely. So that's that was been the highlight of my week. Really, it was and it, it was a much. I was I was in a bit of a a state on Tuesday night when I finished. I was tired and I was my eyes were were weary and I was irritable. So needed that needed Wednesday to clear my Dude. head. How about you? Good. What's the highlight of your week, Ben? Kind of, because we're now at the end of Friday, I'm sort of writing it, not writing it off, but just trying to forget about it. No, I had a couple of really good online sessions, um, internal communities of practice, um, uh, helping, helping people trying to get things going within their company. Uh, make a little bit more of a, of a splash around the conversation, which, which was positive. Um, you know, getting directors interested in um, in the conversation that previously weren't involved. The, so that was that was nice. Um, some new coaching clients and a few getting a couple getting to the point where actually it's it's time to where you know they're they're going on their own now, which which is nice in a different way um a lot I, yeah my, my my problem this week is I, my my whip limits were too high i have a lot of quite big things in progress and so my 
the number one priority thing on my personal backlog now is to get everything that's in flight to a state where I can switch off when it's time to stop for Christmas. Okay. And I've got probably about seven or eight streams of work going on at the moment. Wow. Um, and so I need to try and get them all to a point where I can step away from them for, for, for three weeks and not have to worry about them. And I've got a plan for it. And tomorrow, uh, Monday will be when I start putting that plan into action. When does Christmas officially start for you work-wise? The 18th. Okay. Yeah. So that's what, three weeks? Three weeks? Yeah, about that. Um, yeah. Let's say three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think it is probably. Seven things, that's quite a lot. That's even for you, and you, you do start a lot of things off. That's quite a lot for you. It's a high number. Mm. It's, it's one of those... Um, where some things were supposed to have finished but didn't for various reasons and other things have come up um, uh, and if you don't act on it now it's it's kind of gone and I want to um, yeah it doesn't it very rarely happens it just happens to be that that's the case right now mm. so it's, uh, it's it's been a tough week but now I've, I've broken the back of it and I've got a plan to get it all back into balance that's good. I, I had an interesting. Um, so this doesn't happen very often, but I've actually been teaching um, a lot, but I've been teaching the same company um, on a series of different events. Yeah. So it's in a way it's kind of I've enjoyed it more as this week's gone on because I feel I'm doing a better job by being able to connect more of the dots between the courses and okay. acting very kind to trying to well just just I suppose speak to people with a bit more context because you know you're trying to link parts of, of four different courses together that in itself is something I haven't probably done since probably BT days really okay for four individual events for four different groups um but trying to yeah trying to make sense of everyone's I'll be, role across i'll pedantically the... challenge you on that and i'll say that you have but perhaps not necessarily this close together no because yeah yeah you've, you've you've done quite a lot of courses for the same company but spread out over a longer period of time yeah I suppose, quite... yeah yeah i suppose it's just it's, it's fresher in my mind the conversations are fresher the people are fresher the questions are fresher and the connections you can you can make easier yeah but I think I've enjoyed it more because I, 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 I'm talking more within their own context mm -hmm. and within their own examples. So I found that reassuringly satisfying as the, as the weeks have gone on. Okay. Good. But I need a break. Going native? Oh, uh, what? You feel like you're going native? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it, was, it was a nice change. It was a, um, a difference. So that was quite, and I, and I felt like today, especially, I felt like I was saying things that resonated with that with their context. In terms than, of advice, no, just in terms of observation. Okay. So it's like from what I've heard from here, here, and here, it sounds like these this thing is is emerging as a common pattern amongst these teams and amongst these people so they went mm. everyone kind of nodded and said yes yes mm. <laughs> it's, just nice, it's 
nice to be able to do that, I think. Um, yeah. I suppose it makes me feel a bit more like an employee rather than a, an outsider. Well, that's what I meant by going native is, you know, do you feel like you're now more almost one of them rather than just someone who's coming to run a training course? Mm, possibly. And I think I, there's part of me that, that likes that, mm. uh, that probably misses that, you know, especially at this time of year. You always, you always were quite needy, weren't you? <laughs> i'm not sure if we've ever described that on a podcast but it's worth mentioning so on a previous course that jeff and i ran and and jeff and i will always throw ourselves at the mercy of our audience by running uh, an exercise with one of us as the the stooge as the uh, the first uh, volunteer and yes the audience uh, drew a pattern about my responses and basically described me as the word needy, he said, you're Paul, you're quite needy person. Um, yeah, so, and I said, yes, yes, I am. You've hit the nail on the head there pretty much. Yeah, but uh, yeah, happy times. That was, I think that was uh, one of our football ground tours, that was. That was it? Yeah. That was at Oxford United Football Club. Ah. <laughs> These are some of the daft things that Jeff and I have done over the years. We, we, had, um, we saw it as a challenge to try and run a training course or some kind of workshop in a football ground, one for every division of the English League, I believe. <laughs> we did Swindon. We did Old Trafford. We did Neither. Oxford. We did um, Brighton and Hove Albion. True. When they were in the first, the Champions I can't remember what division they're in, but they had when a nice big stadium. They definitely, yeah. But yeah, we did, we did four, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I um I got tagged in something on LinkedIn this week. <clears throat> so in in Scrum Mastery, one of my I, I include my favourite quote of all time. Now I credit uh, Dan Jacobs, who, as, as I believe, was head of talent at Apple when he said, "I'd rather have a hole in my team than an asshole in my team." Yeah, uh, but I got tagged in something on LinkedIn where Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager of Manchester United, had said that, um, and. Uh, because somebody had read my book and knew that I'd like the quote, uh, uh, tag me in it. Um, and this, this is all, it's funny how these things are, are coming together because I, I still have on my phone, we were at Old Trafford pretty much a couple of weeks after Scrum Mastery came out. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, back in 2013. Wow. And uh, we, had, we, we, we had the tour, didn't we? We, we booked so we, a museum tour, yeah. We booked the tour. And so part of the... Um, part of the tour was we got to see the changing rooms and the changing rooms had all the shirts around it and I happened to have a copy of Scrum Master which I put on Wayne Rooney's um, peg next to his shirt uh, and joked that Wayne Rooney was uh, reading my book so I still had that and I could reply with that photo on LinkedIn saying well I didn't really I knew Rooney had read it but I didn't know Ollie had read it as well <laughs> oh that's brilliant I hope, yeah, I hope uh, Oli Gunnar credited you when he quoted, said, he said, like, I'm sure I heard this quote from Jeff Watts in his book. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. You never know. You never know how far, um, far your, uh, your books have, have gone, Jeff. Do you have a favourite quote? From your book? No, just in general. <laughs> um, a favourite quote? Um, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't think I have got a favourite. A favourite. I'm not very good at remembering quotes word for word. So no, I'd say no. That's no. a pretty boring okay. response. Sorry, sorry for that. Not it's, even um, from a film. Huh? 
you're pretty good at remembering dialogue from a film. Yeah. You you and Nigel can basically read off a, without a script. You can read off multiple films. Yeah, I've got yeah quite a good memory for for that. On punk, make my day, that kind of thing. Yeah. I, think. I was going to try and do an Alan Rickman impression then. Go on. So so um, who's Alan Rickman? <laughs> we did a, a quiz. Well, one of our first lockdown quizzes, and we basically set up ten. We filmed it with our phones, me and the family. We, we feel, I don't know if I showed you this, but we did 10 movie scenes with like dialogue and we had to basically, we were acting the dialogue. And Alan Rickman, uh, I, I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the voice and I'll do the quote. Give yet. me a character that you played. Just so yeah. can... No, no, that'll give it away. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, sorry. Okay, don't you've got to guess. You've got to guess who, what, you've got to guess the film. I'll, you, all I'm asking for is the film, but the, Alan Rickman is the actor. All right. Okay. There we go. Ready? Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. It sounds like something from a Bond film. <laughs> if you know the answer, listeners, tweet in and tell Jeff what the answer was because he is incorrect. Uh, Am I going to talk to you with this or do you want me to tell you the answer? So he was in Die Hard. Correct. That's the right. That's the correct answer. Is it? Die Hard. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, when he uh, John McClane basically puts a Santa hat on one of the villains, and, my, and Alan Rickman finds the he's got I'm I have a machine gun on his on his uh, written in blood on the the guy's shirt. Yeah. So that was my uh, word perfect and accent perfect uh, Alan Rickman playing a German villain in the film Die Hard. Okay. Um. I, I will I will link this to the actual point of us being here in a minute, but while Go we're on, talking then. about actors with accents, I do like John Malkovich, and he he plays a character in the TV show Billions, which I don't think you've seen, but he plays a Russian character, and I can't work out whether I absolutely love his Russian accent or think it's terrible. Okay. So... Um, I'll be interested in other people's opinions. Is it a, a fantastic attempt from a from an American at a Russian accent, or is it an absolute travesty? Uh, I I can't really tell. It's one of those on the knife edge things. But I said we'd link it to why we're here. We haven't mentioned anything really to do with agile, apart from the fact that. You, but I think this is really relevant because I've had probably um, six or seven coaching sessions this week where most of them have said something along the lines of we just we just don't get the coffee shop chats anymore mm. um, and some people have sort of scheduled in work-free meetings so this is a this is a, an hour or half an hour or something where you can come along and you're not allowed to talk about work uh, just to try and get that informal conversation going again. And I was asked a question in, a, in one of my Q&As this week, which was something like, you, know, in, in, you talk about how a Scrum Master needs to really build a network so that they can make change happen within their organisation. But how do you go about building a network when everybody's remote? Mm. And that, that is a tough I mean, it's a tough. I don't have a good answer to that, to be honest. No, 
and that so that came up on one of these courses this week um came up today actually um but one of the things i do and we were chatting with nigel just this afternoon about this um and i was talking about the way one of the ways that i i do introductions on these training courses and one one of the product owner courses i ran last week picked up on it and saying we don't do this anymore we don't you know we, we go onto so many calls with so many people but we don't really know we don't talk about anything other than work mm. and we don't connect with each other we don't um reconnect as as human beings so one of the things i do is, is basically a, a photo share thing so it's a way to introduce people but it's also a way to um you know perhaps bring a bit of your personal life into what you're doing now mm-hmm. so i challenge people on these training courses to share using the various tools that have got mirror or something to share a photograph of themselves and i challenge them to try and show them a photograph of us of a fit picture that has a story behind it mm-hmm. and it was pulled out it was raised by one of the um, product owners on a course last week saying um you know why don't why aren't we doing these types of things just for our meetings or for our workshops that we're talking about work, but no one's really reconnecting with the stuff, the, the, the chit chat or the, the small talk that you'd go through in that workshop before we started. And that's kind of gone missing. I think you're right. I think it's, it's, it's almost hard to, to, to find that again, when you are a lot of people I know are, are zoom calls or, or teams calls back to back all day long. There is no time to, to talk about anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you would normally have that kind of stuff. I know when I was in the office for the clients that I work with, there were a lot of people that would go from meeting to meeting, but they would go from a room to a different room. And quite often they would see someone in the corridor and stop for yeah. a two minute chat and they'd be late for the meeting or whatever, but they would have that two minute chat and you don't, you don't get that chance. Um, so you kind of got to, build some of that stuff in and, and it's it's a challenge for everyone it's it is a real challenge and this taking a little bit of time out to make sure that we can still be human rather than just you know machines going from meeting to meeting I, but there's nothing it's a, funny in a way because you know quite often as an outsider i would be in a i'd be in a meeting and a couple of people would know me because otherwise i, I wouldn't have been there They'd have invited me to the meeting, but there'd be a lot of people in there that didn't know me. So there would be some introductions. There would be, a, and, and not just me, but yeah. other people in there as well, because they'd be from a different team or a different department, different part of the organization, so and so, so and so. Um, and that just that brief, so this is who I am, this is where I'm from. It was quite formal, quite quick, but there was still a, an effort at it. Um, and one of the one of the exercises that I'm going to run with a, with a with a group in a couple of weeks' time. I just worked it through with some of the people from from that organisation who are going to be facilitating it with me, uh, and it's a really simple one. It's you know the user manual. So just tell me a little bit about what gets you going, where your challenges are, if you're broken, how do we t- how do we fix you? Those kinds of things. Um, and they say, "Oh my God, why don't we do this?" You know, I'm working with people I know nothing about them. I don't know what gets them going. I don't know what frustrates them. I don't, you know, sometimes they're in a different mood and I don't understand why. Why don't we know this kind of stuff? Mm. But it's always deprioritized compared to the work. 
but to me it's just another example of sharpening the saw yeah i think it's because because we know all probably maybe consciously or subconsciously we know that these meetings aren't as efficient as they could be um because people aren't as alive as you know it's harder to focus it's harder to uh, stay engaged with online content as as this has proved these um online sessions that i'm doing have proved but well we kind of perhaps feel that we just don't have time to fritter away with with non um essential conversation but like you said it's i think it is essential and the scary thing is i know a, a surprising number of people now that are adding up that i train or i meet online who say to, I asked them, when did you join the company or how long have you been working for this company? And they say, well, like six months. So they've never actually met anyone that they work with in, in person. Because no, they, they started their job um, remotely mm -hmm. and they're having to imagine that, not just as a scrum master trying to, to, to learn the organization, but in a team of people that you, you know, you see, but you've never actually sat in the same room as. Yeah. For us, for for agile teams, for scrum teams, for people, mm -hmm. that must be a very strange scenario. Because even the most remote teams that have worked pre-COVID and established well mature um, remote teams still get together every now and again. You know, they still do that yeah. if they can. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure which way to go because there are two two threads there that I'd, I'd like to pull at. Pick, pick a number, one or two. Two. Okay, so um, parallel processing. Mm -hmm. One of the, and we've, we might not have called it this, but we've done a bit of work, and we certainly had a lot of conversations about this uh, in, in the field of abstraction. Uh, so when we, when we introduce games into training, for example, or we introduce a metaphor into a retrospective, basically making the primary focus. And to a degree, what you do with your um, with your introduction is you, you you position it as I'm going to give you this exercise so you can learn about the Miro tool that we're going to use. But actually, there's a second there's a second meaning to it. Yeah. Basically, when when you when you're not thinking about the thing, you will act as if you were in the thing. So. When, if, if we were, if um, you, me, and Nigel were in an escape room, yeah, then our natural behaviors would more likely come to the surface because we're having fun. We're not focused on our behaviors. We're not focused on our interaction. We're focused on the problem in front of us and having a bit of fun. And so that's the sort of parallel processing. If you can give someone a, 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 an abstract scenario to, to get into, and this is where... I suppose the the scrum master and team or product owner and team that's sort of where you know you are going to be working with them that's one way that you can accelerate that sense of understanding about each other is by creating you know, an abstract challenge in a more social setting because mm -hmm. some of the the natural traits and tendencies will bubble to the surface unconsciously but if you were trying to build a network with someone in the organization who you aren't going to be working with naturally yeah that's more of a challenge that has to be a little bit more manufactured it is it's hard to cold call someone isn't it on zoom or whatever you know what i mean yeah that kind of whereas it's easy to 
bump into someone and introduce yourself in a corridor. But it's old fashioned networking. I know you and I both hated being in a room where you knew part of this exercise was to network. Mm. Because in the old days, you'd go over and you'd, you'd have a chat and you'd exchange business cards and things like that. And we, yeah, I, I hated it. You hated it. Some people loved it, but most people found it uncomfortable. Um, but it is, it, it's a little bit like that now, isn't it? So you're probably going to be having that introduction cold call through email. And yeah. would you mind having a bit, you know, I'm doing this. I've heard that you might be able to help me. Could I find some time in the diary for a quick chat? That kind of mm. thing. You're not necessarily going to pick up the phone and, and call them. Maybe you are. I don't know. Mm. for me i think it that's probably how i would go about it but if i was a scrum master looking to make change within an organization i think that would be a weak way of going about it i probably would pick up the phone if i was a product owner and i need to get some get to know some important stakeholders and i can't mm. just pop past their desk i probably would give them a call but when i was running um running the agile coaches through my user manual to explain the exercise i was running them through mine and saying how um I, I, I much prefer asynchronous communication to synchronous. So I, I'd rather somebody texted me than rang me mm. because it gives me time to, to just think mm. um, rather than be put on the spot. And because I know that I'm a bit of a people pleaser and, and I will make knee jerk promises and reactions, my way of avoiding that is by giving myself time to, to think about what's going on. So I will let them go to voicemail if it's important they'll leave a message or they'll ring again. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's where that, that's where my, my mind went with that one. Mm. The other one was you mentioned about efficient, but yeah, this is why I get you to pick one because I can't remember the context. <laughs> it was about, about, yeah, it was about uh, online communication, wasn't it? In terms of, Oh uh, yeah. So, it, and, and, you know, one of the big conversations I had with, um, this company that I was did, did a session in it with their internal community of practice. Um, I think one of the messages that hit home more was, you know, if you, if you, if you're using scrum, it's not about being efficient. It's about being effective. Yeah. And these, these meetings, this conversation isn't about being efficient. Yeah. If we're focused on efficiency, then our meetings will let go of what's seemingly not bottom line, um, but it's less effective. Um, and so you can get through the meeting and you could have, as an example of one example of many, you could have some sort of agreement about actions, but there's no buy-in to it. There's no emotional connection to it. There's no commitment to it uh, because we don't really have that sense of, you know, we're all in this together and I understand how this is impacting you and I understand why this is important to you. And, you know, I've made this commitment to you as a person rather than your role or, does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, and it's I know different teams are, are managing it and attempting to manage it in different ways. I know one of the, one of the teams that I've coached in the past that literally have they don't set up meetings deliberately. So their team space is basically running remotely all day. I think mm -hmm. so. They have a Google Hangout that's continually open so like eight till six they can all see each other they're all on mute all the time um but if there's a time that they have to come off mute <laughs> maybe that's what this beer should be called sorry because <laughs> that is the number one thing i've heard over the last nine months you're on mute <laughs> sorry carry on no, they're all on mute. yeah they're all on mute and then but they they know it's 
it's like an extension of their working space i suppose the camera is an extension of their working space so when they when they do their daily stand-up for instance <laughs> you get people that don't realize that they're still they're on headsets mm -hmm. uh, but they don't realize they're on camera so they'll stand up and all you can see is their kind of midriff um, you know they don't realize that they're not using the, the visual tools. They just they don't realize they're far away from the microphone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should have moved that. But um, they don't realize that they're connected because I suppose they've, they've just adjusted to working at home, but their office is an extension audibly and visibly. So it's a bit less deliberate and they can perhaps be a bit more natural. Yeah. I, re I remember us trying to remember about how long ago it was but my sense of time has never been great and this last year it's just gone to pot but I'll, in, in the summer in the summer <laughs> we were talking about how you know when this settles down what will be the new normal for a working environment and yeah you know we were talking about how a lot of organizations have found that there's probably less need for the centralized office yep uh, and there are benefits in terms of no commuting and greater flexibility, work-life balance and all that kind of stuff. There are downsides as well. And I think the general feeling was, yeah, yeah this could be, uh, this could be a, a great opportunity. And I know a lot of places have you know, given up their, their rent and their lease of their premises. But like I said, this, this week has been a, a massive example to me of how much people are missing mm. that just informal connection i think the not it's not just a loneliness thing it's the tacit knowledge transfer it's the it's the rapport building it's the relationship building the network building um and i don't know re i was gonna say reinforcement but almost appreciation and recognition of what you're doing it's quite easy to go quite a long time without anyone giving you any feedback mm. and it is hard even for us for me on um on a call for two days with a group of people i mean this week was was better but it's hard to gauge um a level of feedback from there as well so oh, i hate it no you because you and you can't really blame the delegates because it's oh. just the nature of of multiple people on the on the same connection and for fear of wanting to talk not talk over each other or mm -hmm. talk over someone else and and you know or or create or distract people but you just get it's strange isn't it how you can be in a room and get silence but your brain still knows can can read the room without hearing anything i'd be interested to know how it feels for how it would feel for me if i was sort of starting out again so i was massively almost paralyzed by public speaking fear mm. and actually knowing that all those eyes were on me and being able to see their responses and seeing people get up and walk out what have you would be devastating for me uh, and i've got to the point now where if i was talking on the stage i'm comfortable um even if someone walks out i've, I've got to that point where i'm, I'm comfortable mm. and i think back then i would have killed 
to be presenting online where I couldn't see anybody, where I could, if I wanted to, have a script in front of me and nobody would know. I could have post-it notes all over my walls and <laughs> prompts and all sorts if I wanted to. But now it's so um, soulless. So I, yeah. I, I did a session on um, Monday to, uh, to a conference in Australia, Monday evening, and I just had no visual feedback whatsoever i didn't have any nods no you know i didn't have any giggles or even groans at my dad nothing nothing could you and see the audience no well no. i mean I, most of them had their cameras off uh, and because I, i'm not particularly brilliant at technology i had the slides on my screen with you know a, a little slither of yeah. maybe three or four different people yeah. down the side um two of them had their cameras off so I think I only had one person and at some point he got up and left and got a drink of water. And so <laughs> it's quite, it's, it is really disconcerting and you don't get that affirmation as you're going through that iterative affirmation. And it's fu how it's funny how many, so I've done that and I've done it to a, 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 an empty room on Microsoft teams. It was back in the early days, but all I could see was myself and my slides yeah so you start to doubt am i am i actually even being recorded am i actually, <laughs> is anyone there anymore <laughs> yeah is the, you, you, you start to doubt the technology in terms of maybe i've done something wrong mate you know i because your brain is expecting some kind of yeah some kind of um response or not acknowledgement that you're being heard mm -hmm. and i think it's mainly eye contact i think that's that yeah we, we tend to we need eye contact um, to be able to establish a, a connection and listening. So when you're not getting that, and even I find it quite hard. So I've seen several people say with zoom that you should, cause I don't do this, but some people say you should talk to the camera like this. When you're training, you should try and talk to the camera. Mm -hmm. But I find that quite strange because then you, you can't get the, I can't get eye contact from you or can't see you listening yeah. to me. So that doesn't feel particularly natural for me, but it might feel more natural for the person listening. It's, it's an odd one, isn't it? Mm. It's a really odd one. And I've been, I've been really, I've got too much time in my hands, but I've been trying to think about where's the best place to have my camera. So should I have my camera you know, towards the left? And then, but then I'm clearly not looking at people. I'm just, so it's, it's, it's an odd, I'm thinking, I'm probably perhaps overthinking it in terms of what's the best setup at home. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose part of me is hoping that it's a bit, um have a pointless exercise because i'm hoping that maybe things might change next year but uh you don't get anything back so yeah i think people have also <laughs> so we had people today that dogs barking and um so like in one lady was trying to speak but she's obviously used to hearing dogs barking at home and doesn't realize that the dogs are barking when she's talking and we're, we're kind of going like this sorry can you repeat that without the dogs um <laughs> So people, I think, yeah, we've we've kind of almost become oblivious to it, the other noises that are going on at home. I found myself today on camera doing, trying to get something out of my teeth. I thought, that's all, stop, stop it, Paul. What are you doing? You've got your fingers in your mouth. Um, and things like that, you just, a little bit, a few bad habits are creeping in for me, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think mean, that's, uh, that's uh, a common, common challenge. Yeah, I, I think your point there around hoping that next year is going to be different, I think that's something that, a lot of people are bearing in mind when they're weighing up 
you know, how much effort do I put into this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I get, you know, put all the effort into being really, really good at this, and then it goes back to how it was before, then that's wasted effort. I don't, I genuinely don't think it would be wasted effort because everything that you're doing here is, is based on empathy, right? So, so your where to look is based on making your audience more engaged and comfortable, right? That's, yeah. You're not doing it for the sake of it. And, and you know, the more empathy we have for one another, I think generally is a good thing. So um, yeah, you, you're expanding your tool set. And it's something that a lot of us middle-aged people don't do as much as perhaps we could. And you said that word empathy there, and that comes up a lot, I know, but it just made me think again of this, um, these photographs uh, that people were sharing on these courses. So what was nice is that it started, a few people just put kind of safe uh, professional headshot photographs on, of themselves. Mm-hmm. But as soon as one person shared something that was more family-based and then someone else took their photo down and put a different photo up. Mm. And so it kind of caught on. It was a bit, it was quite contagious. And then someone started talking about happier times. And then someone else changed their photo again to a photo of when they were on holiday or something like when they were allowed to go skiing. That's what it was. This was a photo of when I was allowed to go skiing. So it's obviously on their mind. Mm-hmm. You're learning a bit. You, this person would really like to be skiing next year. They've obviously been told that they can't go skiing. So now, you know, you can talk about skiing. That empathy there is, well, oh, I like skiing as well. And you can just build that kind of rapport. In, and it only took about 15 minutes for well, eight people, 15, uh, 30 minutes. And it doesn't require much effort, but it could be something that people really need just to. And the nice thing was it puts people in a positive frame of mind for the next, in this case, six hours. Yeah. So just that little bit of. of um, if this was a one hour meeting, you couldn't you couldn't invest that, right? No, exactly. Yeah. But it could be asynchronous. Yeah, it doesn't have to be real time. You're right. Yeah. So no. Uh, if you've got a one hour meeting coming up, it's unlikely to be thrust upon you there and then. Sometimes it will be, but usually you've got a little bit of warning. And if with that meeting invite, for example, came along each attendee's user manual. Yeah. Uh, with a little bit of vulnerability and insight into that person, then it feels like you know them before you've even got there. I think. Yeah. People, or it could uh, even be a diary, couldn't it? You, you know, you can upload photos every day of the sprint if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah sure. Just so you can check in with each other. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We're all learning, right? We're all learning. And it'd be interesting to see what good practices come out of this. Picking up a few, but I think, yeah, I can imagine conferences for the next few years to come will be what we learned from the pandemic. Good practice will be shared for, for quite a while. Do you think, so on a final note, because I know we're running out of time, do you think that's a positive? Do you think that, I mean, what I mean by that, is that just to an extent an easy dwelling uh, dwelling on the past? Is that is that a useful thing? Or do you think we need to view this as a blip and we need to get back on track in terms of trying to advance our thinking? I I think that kind of reflection and learning needs to be a lot more real time. And to be fair, it is. I was... I wasn't really being fair when I said this few conferences because, you know, I've already been in conferences that have been sharing experiences, case studies, good practice already. 
Um, so we should be finding that out in real time and sharing it, taking advantage of our globalization and our interconnectedness, which a lot of people are. Yeah. Um, do I think, you know, we, I think you can always learn. It's what's interesting about this period that we're going through is that it's almost universal. Yeah. So you've got a common problem to which millions of people are trying multiple parallel experiments without realizing it. Yeah. Um, and we don't really have terribly many mechanisms for collating the results and, and comparing and finding, you know, which context, which results are, are more useful in or which approaches are more useful in. And that's where that um, sort of focused event could allow that uh, consolidation to happen uh, quite consciously. Mm. Uh, I hope, you know, I hope that we, I don't, I don't hope, I, I know we will as a community, I know we will take this and then work out what we can take from it. So you know, we've taken things from all sorts of completely abstract areas in the past, from basketball yeah. to surgery to all sorts. This is nowhere near as abstract as that. Mm. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll come out of this the better. Absolutely. It's just we're in the middle of it right now, so it doesn't feel like it. All right, right. To, I'm all out of pins, mate. I might go and crack open another one. Stick on well, the, this is the beauty of having a barrel. You never <laughs> run out. Soon 2020 will be but a distant memory. But what it's here, so. a year we will continue again. to make the best of it. The art of the possible. Let's have a drink to the art of the possible. I'll say cheers to that. Cheers, mate. Cheers, everybody. Ah.